Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. Hey everyone, it's Jordan Lee here, and I wanted to welcome you to episode two of Portland Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today we have a treat for you. We're going to interview my co-host, Stephen Tran, and we're going to learn about his journey from being a software engineer turned real estate investor and real estate agent. Uh, Hey, welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, and today we're going to talk with you about uh, investing, well, about Stephen's story, really. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen, you know, he got started in real estate really young and before he was a realtor. So um, it's kind of a, an interesting journey that we have to share with you today as well. We're, we're filming on site. You want to just really briefly talk about this place and yeah, kind of yeah. talk about what we're sitting on? <laughs> it's funny. If you're, if you're watching on uh, YouTube, you can see uh, Jordan sitting on a bucket and uh, some tile right now. And I'm sitting on a box that's holding our, uh, what is this, our hood vent. Uh, we didn't prepare too well, but we're on site at one of my flips, so <laughs> it's a little bit fun. Yeah, I mean, you got to get into work when you can, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Stephen, just, you got started really young. What got you into investing? Like, how did you realize at that age, well, first of all, when did you start? How old were you? Uh, actually, I, I don't know if I started too early. I would say I got, I got my first property when I was, how old am I now? Uh, 30? Okay. Yeah, so not super early, but honestly, I wasn't planning on being an investor. I wasn't planning on being in real estate in general. Uh, I I kind of I kind of felt like my hand was a little bit forced um, in the situation, you know. Like um, so, originally, uh, born and raised in Portland, Oregon. I was in the Alberta Arts area before it was trendy and nice and a uh, little hipstery. <laughs> yeah, but I went to college in uh, Seattle at University of Washington. I moved to the Bay Area, so I've been working in tech for 10 years as a software engineer. Um, you know, with uh, like an unfortunate family circumstance, I had to come home uh, to take care of my family and had to find a, a housing situation for my parents. Mm. Um, you know, it's stressful. You know, like nobody wants to come home and be responsible for somebody else's mortgage. And, you know, that was kind of the game plan. Um, just, I'm going to come home, going to buy them a house, move back to the Bay Area, and just pay for their mortgage. Like, I wasn't planning on being... Uh, home long term, and this is back in 2018. Okay, so back in 2018. Yeah. And but did you just get them a single family home, or what did you do? No, no. I mean that was the plan. Uh, you know, they had foreclosed on their property. They owned a business that uh, failed, and yeah, that was the plan. I was looking for single family homes. I wasn't happy about it. I was just ready to sign whatever and just get this process over with. And I don't know, maybe try out New York, maybe try out LA. Um, but, you know, like sometimes I just feel like sometimes you have to be in the right place at the right time. And my sister just mentions like, why don't you just go buy a fourplex? And mm-hmm. I was like, what is a fourplex? <laughs> you know, like a multifamily unit. And they're like, yeah, why don't, you know, I know you, you hate the idea of paying for mom and dad's mortgage. Why don't you just get a multiplex, give them one unit and potentially rent the rest? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, obviously that sounded better. I, you know, like I have two sisters, but I was going to be in charge of the full mortgage you know, I guess, you know, for, for whatever reason. So like, I mean, anything better than paying for a home mortgage sounded good to me. So, uh, you know, I, you know, I got a, a realtor. I didn't really pay attention to anything. <laughs> I signed all the paperwork. I didn't look at rates. I didn't look at anything. I just looked at general, like, I was generally told, this is what your payment's gonna be. Yep. And, and, you know, basically from there, I, I didn't even know Honestly, what really like, that's what matters, right? Does, the, does it work on paper? Yeah. Does oh, paper? I mean, I didn't even think about that either. Like, to be honest, like my first property, uh, I'll, I'll be completely, uh, I guess, open about it. Like the mortgage is like $4,000 a month for a fourplex. And this is 2018. I guess that's a deal now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, yeah. that'd be great. I'd be psyched about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, a 5% down FHA loan. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I didn't pay attention to a single thing. I think rates were 4.25 back then. Uh, I just signed my life away, signed every single page, didn't really pay attention to the inspection. Uh, you know, I had some inkling of what the rents would be after I closed, 
Mm -hmm. um, and I was a little bit underwater. I still had to pay roughly $1,000 out of pocket for my parents to live um, initially. So so you're getting about 3000 in, in, in rents from, from the other units. So about 1000 bucks a unit. Yeah, three three units, like 950 I think my highest rent was about like 1100 okay. basically okay. floating about you know 1000 each. So still money coming out of pocket. I didn't think it was the best deal ever. And I just kind of kept it floating, you know, and, uh, you know, spent the year or so managing the property, not really knowing what I was doing. When situations would come up like COVID, you know, I just kind of had to figure it out. Like, how do I properly address this? And how do I deal with their lease? And how do I deal with people running off or not paying rent? So it was kind of just a journey that I had to figure out along the way, you know, completely without me being like a, a willing participant. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. And and so now though, so it's been 2018, it's been four years. Value, what did you buy it for? I bought it for 675 uh, okay. back in 20, 2019, yeah. So okay. it took me a couple, like a month or two to get that property. Okay. Um, now it's probably currently worth 950 if I put it on the market. And I wouldn't be surprised if I got a million for it. Wow. So. Oh, and, uh, and how are your tenant-wise? What's the situation there? Yeah, so, you know, like being a landlord, uh, I had some turnover, I had some issues, but yeah. you know, you gotta make lemonade out of lemons, I guess. And, you know, like I've had bad situations, like I, like I mentioned, COVID happened, I had a tenant literally just get in their car, leave all their stuff and drive off to Idaho. Uh, you know, leaving, you know, not paying rent for a month. This was one that you tenantly inherited or it was? Yeah, all yeah. my tenants I inherited. Okay. Uh, one of them just got up and left and left all their stuff, left the place a mess. Um, so I had to scramble. I had to get their place cleaned up. I had to, you know, repaint the apartment. Um, you know, I, I had to figure out the situation. So this is where I, I've learned to be a better landlord. Just in these situations, what do I do? How do I recoup? some money, you know, they obviously broke the lease. What can I do? I obviously can't come after them. They're off in another state. Yeah. So, you know, like was, I wrote contracts, I, I figured out a lot of contract law. Mm. Um, you know, I had them sign that they were giving up their possessions in the house. They were giving up their uh, security deposit. Um, and like I said, this is one of my units that was rented for $900 a month. Um, and within that first month, I got everything cleaned up. They had like five couches. I sold those couches because, like I said, they 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 wrote in the <laughs> they had five couches and they had five them. couches. It was really strange. You, know? like you run into really interesting situations as a landlord. Um, but I was able to sell the couches, basically make up the rent for the month, and then you know this is my first vacancy. So I was like, okay, like you know, your rent for nine hundred bucks a month. How much can I get? Like nine fifty. And you know, uh, lucky for me. Uh, I, you know, once I kind of looked around with the landscape, looked at Craigslist, looked at okay. rentometer, et cetera, I was like, wow, I could honestly rent this for like twelve fifty a month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And on, uh, as soon as I cleaned up and got the place uh, on Craigslist, I got like 50 applicants. Wow. Yeah. And that was back in 20, yeah, that was like late 2019, mm -hmm. uh, 1250. Um, like I said, there's a lot of other stuff, but that happened with my tenants and turnover, like some good turnovers, some bad turnovers, but uh, at this moment in time, uh, the three units went from averaging $900 a month to, I, I think I'm basically floating around $1,450 a month. Wow, so yeah. what, times three, that's $4,200, is that right? Yeah. About, about $4,200 and change. Yeah. So that, and, and you were able to refinance and get rid of the mortgage insurance too, right? So your mortgage payment went down as well. Yeah, exactly. So I bought it for 5% down um, in 2019. 2021, I refinanced in May. Uh, the value it appraised that was 810. Uh, so I think. And part of that was based on what? Wasn't it based on oh, the, you increasing the rent? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Kind of forced the appreciation. So the, yeah, the income approach for the appraisal was able to bring my value of my property up to 810 within like two years, which is really great. I think the, um, just the actual comparison values brought it up to maybe 750. Okay. Actually the income approach actually brought it to like 900. Okay. okay. So they kind of found the middle they, point. They put the middle between the two. Okay. And so once it got to that 810 value, uh, property that I bought at 5% down in 2019, two years later, I was, I owned over 20% of it. Mm -hmm. So, like like you mentioned, I dropped out PMI, 
Uh, my rate went from 4.25 to 3.375. Mm -hmm. So my payment went down from $4,000 a month to about $3,250. Nice. So at the time, uh, with three And minutes, did you pull out cash too or not? No, I didn't touch the cash. Didn't pull out I, cash. Okay. I was fine with just yeah, yeah. putting it like right back into the equity and yeah, just yeah. letting it roll. And I, you know, I didn't want to pay PMI. So now, like, well, with three units rented, my parents still living in the fourth unit. Uh, I, I basically average, like you said, like $4,200 a month uh, in uh, rental income, and my mortgage was thirty two fifty, so almost $1,000. And well, yeah, you went yeah. from bleeding 1000 to, yeah, so $2,000 swing in a few years, plus the equity. Yeah, and I mean, I think as you, you know, like I recently uh, helped my sister get my parents a new townhouse, so they moved out of their unit. Oh, nice. Um, I'm about to rent that one out for about 1450, so this property that was costing me $1,000 a month just for my parents to live out of pocket uh, is now gonna be bringing me roughly 2,500, 2,500 bucks a month. It's crazy. Three years. Yeah, and maybe not three years from now, you like it won't be as much of the increase, but you can see how, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, that's still gonna keep going up. Oh like, yeah. It's gonna keep going up. You're gonna keep paying the mortgage down and um, just over time, really smart investment. And so, so that was your first one. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was my first one. And after that, I didn't really have the, basically the real estate bug for a little bit and a lot of that came from mentorship you know i i met some friends i met some people uh through happenstance i met henry one of our oh, yeah. friends playing basketball and uh for some reason i mentioned that i had a fourplex it's not something that i just put out there <laughs> but you know he he asked me what i did and i you know i was like okay you know i'm a software engineer and i happen to have this property here i collect rent and so the first thing he told me is he said you're an investor and I was like, me? <laughs> no. I just, I just did this for my parents. It just seemed like a good idea. I was like, no. Like, this is, these are all the major benefits. Taking care have. of your family through yeah. real estate investment. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. All I was trying to do was just eliminate my costs. Um, and so, like, once, you know, once COVID hit, I spent a lot of time with Henry. We worked out um, every day. And I just kind of learned all these little bits about, like, as as you mentioned, like forced appreciation, managing tenants, um, you know, just basically everything that has to come with uh, being a real estate investor. And I kind of got hooked from that point. And after the, uh, after having those conversations, like I was like, how do I find my next one? You know? um, <laughs> Suddenly you're motivated. I was motivated and, you know, I had friends who, you know, were also motivated. So I got into partnerships because, you know, like if you're not gonna be occupying the property, you're gonna have to put 25% down. Well, you know, I, I don't have 25% down. Yeah, 12 and a half is a lot better than 25, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was thinking like, okay, well, I want to get into the fourplex. This one seemed to work out so well. So I partnered with my friend Joe. We got another fourplex out in Hillsborough. Okay. So. And he, he's kind of like you, right? He does real estate, but he also is like a full-time WT job. Yeah, yeah, he's a pharmacist. So, we, you know, we're, we're both doing our side jobs. Me as a software engineer and him as a pharmacist and you know he got his real estate license at the time I didn't have my real estate license but I was just like okay let's do this like I see the potential like I see how my property is grown he uh and we'll probably interview him at some point um but he he did run by the room so he's a little skeptical of the idea but I mean we could talk about the numbers on that one but that oh was he was doing like single family single family renting out individual rooms getting better returns and just renting out whole houses mm -hmm. um but you know, like we, we both kind of learned a lot of lessons there in terms of like, like where the value of multifamily is, it's not just like getting that cash flow. It's, you know, the equity growth can grow so much quicker with multifamily, which is what I, what I love about multifamily. Well, there's that and I mean, especially, it depends on your market, of course, right? Mm -hmm. But in Portland, the, the stock or the supply of multifamily is really limited. Oh yeah. No. So if you have a nice, fourplex or threeplex or whatever that's well taken care of and rented out well, I mean, it's, there's not that much to compete against you, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it was 2020 and like, I already seen the potential of um, multifamily, my partner had it and sight unseen, I was just like, you know what, $50,000 over, 
let's get this. And I know that like in that market back then, maybe that would have seemed crazy, but like now we have like multifamily to like $200,000 over appraisal gathering. All I asked was like, I just want to pay $50,000 over. I just want to land this and it was a very reasonable price. So you got another fourplex and then this time you went 25% down. What, yeah. what was the price point for that one? That was, it, we, we put our offer at 700 and we got it down to 690. Good. Okay. Closing process. Okay, so seven-ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was fully occupied or? Fully occupied. Uh, we cash flowed a thousand dollars. Right on the gates. Each, yeah, a thousand dollars each, which when you think about it, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you were cash flowing right out of the gate two, two grand? Yeah, but we also were $190,000 out of pocket. Yeah. So, I mean, not the best return. All, I mean, 10% cash right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, 220. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, 20, in, in for 200000 you get 20000 Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Roughly. A little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Decent. It was, it was okay. I mean, I just, I just saw the potential there. So the reason why I did $50,000 over, because it was roughly the same price point as my Vancouver fourplex. Um, but the thing was is that each unit was three bed, uh, one bath. And my, my Vancouver property, every unit is two bed, one bath. So you knew immediately, like, I, yeah. I mean, because the square footage is more, and the, the strip bedroom is more. Literally, I just thought to myself, hmm, one more bedroom. I, it could have been, I think that's the only thought I had was it literally has an extra bedroom. I'm sure I can get more rent for that one. Right, right. Even if it is in Hillsborough. I mean, I think Hillsborough and Vancouver are comparable markets. So I gave it very little thought, very little analysis, and I'm kind of shoot from the hip. Yep. And so I just picked it up. I was like, 12 bedrooms, right? I can't not make money. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so now tenant-wise, are there still the inherited tenants or is it new tenants? So I, I had uh, inherited tenants. As I mentioned, the rents were a little low for my liking. I, I had lower rents in those units than I did in my Vancouver units, which like I said, the Hillsborough property had three bed, one bath, and my Vancouver property had two bed, one bath, and for some reason I was able to charge like $200 more for my Vancouver property. Hmm. Um, and I just saw, like, you know, like this place has a lot of deferred maintenance, has a lot of work mm -hmm. um, that could be done. And yeah, we were collecting $1,000 a month, like I said, not the best return after dropping $190,000, which was, right. well, about 85 dollars to $90,000 yeah. $90, each is really painful. So, you know, I just saw the opportunity, I was like, okay, look, like I looked at comparables here, three bed, one bath. If we fix this place up, our rents are 1100 right now. I think I can get almost $2,000 a month. Per unit. Per unit. Okay. So, raising so, three units uh, from 1100 to 2000 that's yeah. additional $1,800 a month. Yep. So, almost like $900 per person yep. uh, each month. So, I was like, we gotta go for this. And you know, I looked into the tenant laws. All of our tenants were month to month. Um, and you know, I, I, I started the process in terms of like, hey, like, you know, we, we, <laughs> we need to remodel. We need to remodel. We need to get this place up to a working order. There's a lot of, uh, as we found out uh, throughout the process, there's a lot of health hazards, a lot of issues that, that I just didn't feel comfortable with, especially with the property I owned. I wanted to make sure that it was a good place to live. And that, the property would still be standing. There's a lot of big, big concerns. And once I ripped open the walls, I was actually <laughs> even more surprised than I uh, thought I would be, so. Yeah, you want people to live in a place with dignity. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you know, like I think everybody, um, that all of our tenants, we've been really nice to them. We kind of warned them months ahead that like this was the plan. And you know, we were just, you know, we, we were trying to give them enough time to find a better situation for them. You know, and I mean, you know, it's just there. Like we purchased this place, and it had, like I said, when the tents got out, like I can't believe how many issues it had. Um, mm. One unit like had German roaches, fleas. Oh. Like the first step <laughs> I took in, and I started taking things apart. I had fleas crawling up my leg. Ah, oh, jeez. Um, taking apart the cabinets, looking behind, I was like, wow, there's like, like, there's been. Uh, uh, plumbing leaks for like at least like 10 years like the, the subfloors oh, rotted through so we had to fix that um there was mold and mm. yeah. through the entirety of the roof and then you know as our contractor started working on it um I was like wow like there's this roof is leaking and it didn't come up in inspection that this roof needed to be replaced and we just replaced the entire roof 
So at this point, we're still working on it. Nine months later, uh, three units empty. But you know, like I, I definitely see the value in it. Um, and I know it's it's a big pain point spending that money. Uh, you know, on all these renovations, I think we're close to hundred grand in fixing it. Mm. But I, I feel like these are things we could have avoided. Uh, anyway, it's so. either now or later. It's either now or later, and it, it's gonna get worse later. Like maybe like you know a, a rotted. Um, there's some rotted wood that would collapse or something. Like it was pretty bad. Yeah. So I'm happy we're tackling it all now. Uh, we're gonna uh, make three great homes for uh, three great families, and that's what we're really excited about. And you know, like when we do get those rents up, as we talked about forced appreciation, um, you know, we're really confident that the equity in this property is gonna be insane. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Huh. And what is the Zillow like our revenue estimate saying now? I mean. It's just just Zillow's estimates, not knowing the rents yeah, change, not, not knowing really that we're renovating. Really yeah. It is saying roughly, I think like somewhere in the nine hundreds. Wow. And we <laughs> bought it literally end of twenty twenty, so it's been less like two years, less than two years. That's crazy. Yeah, less than two years, uh, like a year and a half, and we're getting close to nine hundred something thousand. And we're confident if we do fix it up and actually get it rented, it will appraise for close to a million. Yeah. So in two years, we'll have three hundred thousand dollars equity. Yeah. It, I mean, if if everyone's paying, it, it, what somewhere between seventeen hundred, nineteen hundred rent or whatever. I mean, yeah. we're expecting two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. I mean, that's it's gonna appraise super well. And that's the thing I think people don't understand about like renovating and, and flipping, fixing. I mean, people see oh, rents going up. Like, can't believe you got to kick these people out and, and raise the rent, but. You gotta think about like, okay, there's mold here, right? Yeah. There's there's rodents, there's ins I mean there's all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely ro yeah, rodents, I forgot like, about that. And like <laughs> you said, you gotta pay all this money to to renovate it. Like, you know, it has to be it has to be worth it. It has to be a win win, right? I mean, even though rents are going up, it's it's it's, it's yeah. a better space. I mean, you know, just I I feel like for my tenants too, like it was just constant upkeep. Like this was breaking, this was breaking. Right. Like every What's single month, I was yeah. always there fixing something. Mm -hmm. The plumbing's leaking, the water heater needed replacing. And it was just one of those times where it was like, look, like to save everybody time and energy, like we just need to get this place completely fixed up, like up to par, like up to an actual good living standard. Um, you know, like I, I felt like with a lot of landlords, a lot of people just end up patching. They just do the bare minimum to get yeah. things along. They Keep the rent the same, do the bare minimum, and yeah. just don't worry about it. Um, yeah, and it just makes it worse. Yeah, it makes it worse and worse. Like you cover over a leak, and it just leaks continuously, and then the subfloor rips out. Somebody takes a step, and I literally did this. I took a step, and my unit actor ripped out the floor, and my foot went through the floor. Jesus. So, you know, I like, just think like. I was just waiting to happen to one of your tenants. Yeah, so. there's a lot of liability there. Um, I mean, I, I just didn't know a better solution. And like I said, I worked with them and we did say, hey, like, you know, if you guys do want to come back, like, we'll offer that. Like, you know, we are going to get market rents, you know, because we put in so much work. It is a lot of time, effort, and money out of our pockets to get this to, to happen. So, um, yeah, no, it, like I said, it, it was, I basically had to convince my partner, Joe, that this was going to be a good investment. You know, he was, <laughs> You know, he, he, you know, he's on the cash flow train and even his family was telling like, hey, you're making this much money from, you know, these single family houses, renting them by the room, you might as well keep doing that. Well, you know, like, yeah, we might not have the best cash flow, even though we did cash flow off the bat, which was great, but we did just like make our investment back and more just in equity growth in yeah. the last two years. I mean, I know it's not tangible money in your pocket right now, but you know, we know we can access it if we really need it to. I mean, that's what we love about real estate and it's, and it's hard to just use one metric like, okay, the, um, you know, the Case-Shiller Index over the last 30 years or 4.3% yeah. appreciation gain. Yeah, it seems low, but really you have to take into account multiple things, right? You have to take into account equity gain, principal payment, uh, reduction over time. And then you also have to take into account your rental increase. So it, it's it's not just that one metric that we're looking at when we're looking at real estate investments. And you know, as you can see, putting in, reinvesting into your you have a lot of control over it, right? You can increase yeah. the value. And yeah, that's the big thing that I, I love now is I'm very hands on. As you can see, we're like if you're watching on YouTube, like you can see that we. Done a lot of work here. I have some before pictures, but maybe I'll splice it in. Yeah, do, do we take any videos of the uh, demolition? Day? I, I have I have videos of demolition. <laughs> this place was a mess, but like, no matter what kind of market you're in, like, if 
like there are uh, places to add a lot of value, you know, like there's a lot, like what I noticed, and I became a realtor last year, because I love real estate so much, obviously. I was like, if I have so many properties, might as well just be a realtor too, yep. since I talk about it all the time. Yep. Um, there's so many opportunities in whatever market to add value. Uh, if you find a house that needs some work, that's gonna uh, put off a lot of people. And so you can be the one to add that value to make this, a, you know, make a home a beautiful space that somebody's gonna wanna pay the premium for. And that's what I tell all my clients. I, I focus on being what I call myself the investor agent. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, let, let's let's add some value to you. Let's add some wealth to your life. Like, can you add value to this space so that somebody will pay you that premium um, for that home instead of you going and finding that nice house and you're paying the premium for all the contractors, right. all the yep. you know, all the work that somebody else did. You're paying double mm -hmm. or triple mm -hmm. just for like something nice that you could easily do yourself or. Even just pay a contractor for it to do, and you'll you know you'll save a lot of money. So I, I try to add that value to my clients. Yeah, I mean, if we went on and searched, right? I mean, yeah, inventory is super low, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like everything's moving super fast, but guaranteed, there's going to be plenty of stuff listed on on the MLS that is that is stale, right? It's been sitting yeah. because it needs repairs and because it needs work done to it. Yeah, I and mean, like you said. It, it's, I don't, I don't think it's impossible. I'm not a hand, I, I don't consider myself a handy person. I consider myself a handy person now, but you know, I was a software engineer. I sat in front of a computer. <laughs> I only was handy because, you know, I, I was, you had to no, I was, I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm honestly like, I, I was being Frugal. cheap. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, my, you know, one of my tenants moved out. I was like, okay, like they, you know, this, this is my inherited tenant. This is my Vancouver property, my first one. And when they moved out, I was like, okay, what do I do? Like, I don't, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any, anybody to teach me any of these things. I was like, okay, I gotta definitely paint. <laughs> and there's a hole in the wall. Uh, I have to figure out how to pass that up. Do you just go to YouTube or what? YouTube, I mean, I, I went to the, I, don't judge my work on that first unit, but I, I just I was like, oh, I got spackle. I just spackle this whole thing. Like, I didn't know how to do drywall. I didn't know how to do any of those things. Um, Basically, I did did the work of somebody who did not know how to uh, do construction, right? You know? And like I said, even just doing that, I think I got market rents. I'm not saying that like that was the best thing to do, but I, I did the best I could with my ability at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like I say, every every time you do something, you gain a little bit of knowledge, and you, you get a little bit better. Um, and also, I like at, from that point, I, I you know I, I started embracing my mentors and asking them what I should do and how I can, uh, basically, like, what should I do in this situation? How do I fix this hole here? How do I, what should I do this unit to add the most value? And, you know, they helped they help me out. They, they gave me advice or they literally came there and said, hey, we're gonna do flooring because we're gonna replace all this uh, moldy ass carpet. <laughs> you know, like, like, this is gonna add value to your place. So, you know, from those experiences, I learned a lot. And you know, after doing it a couple of times, I'll do my own for it. I'm not gonna pay something. So that was number two, and this is in the last few years. Now, but already there's been more projects um, in addition to this one. So what what was the next one after those two fourplexes? Uh, yeah, I think the next one. This this might be the oh, next this one. this is the next one. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I, I after the the first two successes, I was getting a little like hungry for more. Yeah. You know? um, and you know, I had done things so very traditional. Uh, the first two, the first one was FHA, the second one was it's just a normal conventional. Conventional, um, yeah. Um, you know, I talked to one of my friends, Tony. You know, yeah. and just showed interest that I, I I was interested in partnering on an investment property, and you know, we, we started looking, and this one popped up, which you can see here if you're on YouTube. Uh, and we kind of just jumped at it. He just asked me, hey, do you want to get this one? It's not financeable. <laughs> there's a lot of issues. Go walk in. There's no lights. Yeah. You're not going to be able to see anything. Yeah. Just go check it out. And if, we, if you like it, we can go lock it up. Uh, I didn't particularly like it. You know, I walked on the ground. The, uh, there was a huge water leak, which made it unfinanceable. The floors were like literally yeah. like wavy. You know, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Basically, the subfloor is all... Uh, all curled up from the water damage. Mm -hmm. But you know, like I, I, at that point I'd done enough work to be like, okay, like literally everything's possible. Everything is fixable. 
So yeah, the house isn't falling over. Yeah, and the fact that it wasn't financeable, uh, you know, gave me a little pause. But you know, I had never been through the hard money process, and we went through it together. You know, I had a lot of questions, I had a lot of fears, I had a lot of fears about the application. Yeah. So they asked about, like, you know, what is your rehab experience look like? And I was like, what's my rehab experience? I guess, you know, working in my apartments. And, you know, luckily I was able to qualify for that loan. Uh, I mean, pretty high loan, but, you know, we know we're going to be working hard on this property, getting it up to snuff and refinancing it afterwards. So that was Yeah, so what did, the, what did the private money loan look like then? So we bought it for four fifty. We have a, a rehab portion of it for roughly 90000 Okay. And uh, I think our percentage was about 9%. So you're about 9%. And yeah. how many points do you have to pay on that too? I'm not sure. See, I'm not great at focusing on the yeah, number. <laughs> probably somewhere between one and two, one or two points. Yeah. Kind of I mean, classic. You know, just knowing that we're at 9% and knowing that other people are getting, you know, like... Sometimes 12. Yeah, 12%. Sounds sounds like, that sounds reasonable. At the end of the day, I, I usually don't focus much on the loan because I know it's short term. Right. It's just like, okay, what is the pain? Yeah. And what was that pain that ended up being? Thirty-three hundred. Thirty-three hundred. So you have to sustain that for about six months type mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Um, so kind of you're right. basically you gotta assume about eighteen, nineteen hundred or whatever. Almost, yeah. Almost twenty twenty grand in in upfront, and then um, in addition to the down payment, was it ten percent? Yeah. We basically ended up putting fifty grand each. Okay. Okay. So, so fifty grand plus the twenty for the loan costs. Um, so yeah, 120. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, we kind of just jumped into it. Like, okay, there's a lot of all these issues. Like we, we planned and you were here the first day, you know, Jordan's, uh, you know, a dear friend and we, we got a bunch of people and we, we ended up demoing this place and we had, we had video and like I said, if I can splice it and I will, um, this place was a mess. Uh, we literally destroyed the kitchen. I gave, uh, Jordan sledgehammer duty and <laughs> He yeah, that was fun. Yeah, you got the kitchen knocked out in, uh, I don't know, like literally like 20 minutes, so. It's easy to destroy things. It is. <laughs> I literally did a post today about that, like, um, that like literally you can pay someone $2,000 or $3,000 to demo your house, or you can have a fun day having beers and just give everybody a sledgehammer and you'll save yourself two, 3000 bucks. Yeah, yeah. But what, so what else is interesting about this house is that um, if you watch, if you're on YouTube and watch the intro, there's an extra lot as well, right? Yeah. So that that's basically a, a full lot. So were you, did you talk to the city about that, or? Uh, we, yeah, we we didn't talk to the city per se. We talked to our friend Ken. Okay. Uh, just kind of what can we do? You know, it's definitely a great space for ADU. Uh, I mean, obviously splitting the lot was a thought, but you know that's. You know, that can take a year or take a while yeah, if you want to subdivide. It can also cost like another $80,000 yeah. just to have the lot looking the same. So Would you have to improve the front edge? Yeah, I think there was some work along the front, along the street. Um, I think we'd have to build a sidewalk. Putting a sidewalk. But yeah, improving the front edge generally, it generally means putting a sidewalk and, and maybe the drive, or driveway, right? Yeah, yeah. And we just... We just thought like, okay, maybe this is not worth it. But we could have the lot no matter what. We have one gigantic lot. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of opportunity over there. We may close it off with a fence and like maybe just rent it out for RV parking or... Okay. You know, like another thought is go to ADU. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we'll see. We still haven't had like a full discussion on that. Our budget's a little low on what we're going to do there. <laughs> but, Wait till it's um, cash flowing a little bit and then, I mean, there's no rush, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you know we're, we're we have a huge lot. I think that that is a privilege in this market. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunity, and you know maybe we'll all hear on bigger pockets or another podcast about like what can we do with extra space. My idea right now is, or not my idea, Tony's idea is like, hey, let's rent it out for RV parking or all this stuff or this long term storage. And if we can make an extra thousand dollars a month doing honestly nothing, that's great, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. And, and so then the plan with this home is, are you going to turn it into a long-term rental or a short-term rental or? So this one, we're hoping to turn into a short-term rental. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll talk about the next property. Um, which oh, yeah. Which picked up. Uh, it was a house in Troutdale. So you're another property. This is number four. Yeah. So this, this, <laughs> happened, this happened really quickly. In, in, in not that many years. <laughs> no, like literally month after month, I, I picked up this property in December. This one uh, was immediate rehab, and then uh, you know, 
I was told of another property uh, in Troutdale, and I just thought it was a great opportunity to pick that one up. Okay. And yeah, I picked that one up. Um, I won't go into too much detail there, but I just thought it was a great opportunity for long-term rental. A short-term rental. Short-term rental. Okay, so you're doing that one as an Airbnb, yeah. and maybe later we can film an episode on that one. Yeah, exactly. Not a, someone in there, but um, Troutdale, like that doesn't strike me as a market that's like, oh yeah, I want to go stay in Troutdale, but what... It, what are you seeing for for rents and, and for um, like occupancy? Yeah, so we actually bought it fully furnished. I think they had it was already set up. It was already mostly set up. They had furniture. We bought the house with the couches, the dining tables, the beds. Oh, so did you get to see their rentals? Were they already Airbnb in it? Or uh, you know, they gave us screenshots of uh, actual <laughs> rents. Like, oh, this person wants to stay for two months and they're going to pay us this amount. Like, the numbers were pretty ridiculous. But you know, we, we I think we just kind of went on a whim, and like I said, I, I kind of just shoot from the hip. Uh, just knowing what I know about Portland and their Airbnb laws, where as I'll, I'll give details here, uh, you cannot uh, do an Airbnb in Portland unless you have like a short-term rental permit. And that's the city of Portland proper, not yeah. the Portland metro area, but in the city of Portland. Right now, we're in Beaverton, and Beaverton doesn't have the same restrictions. Yeah, exactly. Chalkdale is. You could consider part of the greater Portland metro, but it's not doesn't have the same rules as Portland. Yeah, it's literally like if you get on I two hundred five I eighty four from I two hundred five, literally on the edge of Portland, and get you can get to Portland in ten minutes from my Trotto house. Right. And it's also like a lot closer to the mountains. There's a river right there. Yeah, there's, there's a Marine Drive. It's it's really nice yeah, to see. Yeah, there too, and a golf course or something. Yeah. I don't know Trotto though. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I think, I, I, I have this Airbnb that I'm selling out there, but I don't, I don't know Toronto too well. I, I like hanging out there. There's like a nice downtown, good food. Like I said, it just feels more nature-y. Like there's, there's like fresh air and it's just like, like you just have a lot better views of the water. So I like that. Um, I think the, the actual selling point is I have a full house that I can run out to 10 people. Okay. And that's, there's a bunch of rooms. In yeah. There's, there's one room with... Uh, two bunk beds, so four beds in there. There's three rooms with, uh, you know, queen size beds. So we can honestly fit like a solid ten people in this house, and that's oh, something awesome. you can do in Portland. So, ooh, <laughs> okay. oh, yeah, yeah, the bucket. yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, ten, so ten people. Um, yeah, I mean, when you go on that search function on Airbnb, like once you get over that ten, it really limits. Yeah, what you don't find. You're not gonna. You're basically not gonna see anything in Portland. Um, because of the restrictions, I think the restrictions are, and I'll mention to everybody, it's uh, you have to live in the house 270 days of the year if you're the owner. Okay. There's two different- uh, For residential, unless it's commercially zoned or, or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if commercial works with, different, with yeah, uh, Airbnb, but if you're, like, literally you're trying to do Airbnb, Airbnb in Portland. Yeah. Like, you literally have to live on the, basically have to live there full time. Okay. 270 days out of the year. Um, so, so you could like live in your, if you had an ADU, you could live in the ADU, you could live in the ADU. space or something like that. Yeah. That just doesn't give you a lot of full size options. So that's why in Portland you, you end up seeing like basement. Hey, you want to rent a room in my house and yeah. just hang out with me in the, the kitchen? Like yeah. when you guys are everybody here. Well, I'm kind of my man yeah. down his basement and he pays for his mortgage. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, my sister redid their whole basement with this and built literally built in a separate entrance so they could literally do an Airbnb in their basement. So it, it, it's doable, but it's just tough mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to make a good amount of money on it or to, you know, to maximize the space, you know, like you kind of have to like basically house hack to do Airbnb in Portland. And so, you know, with this Trotter opportunity, I was like, okay, it's not too far from Portland. Mm-hmm. Close to the airport. Close to the airport, close to the freeway, I-84, so you literally jump on there, yep. you're 10 to 15 minutes, 15 minutes from downtown. Right. Right? And maybe four, 40 minutes from Mount Hood or less? About 45 minutes. About 45 minutes yes. to, to the mountain. So I thought it was a good opportunity, and I was, like I said, I had no experience at Airbnb other than staying at them. Um, but yeah, since we started back in mid-February, uh, we've been booked every single weekend. We currently have a stay that's been there for like six weeks, which is great. I love nice going there and cleaning my Airbnb. That's so nice, yeah. Yeah, so obviously they get a monthly discount, but then the day, like knowing that every weekday is booked up, all the weekends are booked up, like it's been a really solid income bringer. So I'm 
pretty happy with that. And you know, I think so I, that's more than covering the mortgage and the, oh, and the Airbnb fees or whatever. Yeah, easily. Like the Airbnb fees aren't that much. Um, like they're a pretty small percentage of the actual fee, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's easily covering the mortgage. Like even with us not even being super hosts, like literally just putting our house on the market. We've been booked every single weekend. Uh, I always say that it is a lot more service oriented, just mm -hmm. being there to answer any questions, make sure the place is pristine. You know, I've had my fair share of cleaning toilets <laughs> and doing that until, until I got my system set up, you know, getting yeah. cleaners, getting uh, people out there to, you know, fix everything, having it ready. So now that I, I have a, a mostly better system, like I'm sure I'll be cleaning every once in a while, but you know, I can get my cleaners out there for, uh, you know, at least like half the time. So for now, it's it, it is a very active job, but it's it's definitely a lot better income than my long term rental. So there you go. Enjoy. Yeah. Cool. So so is that that's that's four? Is it, or my yes, four. Uh, I'm not gonna count my parents' new home, which uh, obviously you're the lender on that. Um, helping my sister uh, purchase a townhouse near their. Uh, our, my original fourplex, mm -hmm. so they can still manage it, but a much bigger space. Yep. Which you know, I, I just want. You know, obviously, I, I don't want my parents to live in an apartment forever, so we we're able to upgrade them mm -hmm. uh, utilizing my sister's loan. I did help out with a lot of the payments as gift funds. Um, yeah. I guess I won't count that as another home, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to obviously put my parents in a better situation. Now, one of the great things that you can do, and a lot of people don't know about, is that even if you own a primary, you can buy another home as a primary. Uh, for your parents, uh, you know, as long as you can, basically, it's in when your parents can't qualify for a loan. Yeah. So you can, like, even though I have a primary, I could buy a primary for my parents. And, and a lot of my clients do that um, for multiple reasons. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great, it's an awesome thing that you can do for your parents. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I didn't actually know that. So that's good to know. Uh, I actually utilized my sister's loan. I know she really wanted to buy a house for a long time. So I think it was a good opportunity to get her, you know, a uh, low down payment loan to get this house. I think the payments end up being pretty reasonable. At the end of the day too, it's, this has got to be more of an emotional decision for us. It's just, do our parents have a larger space where they space happy? That's clean yeah. and, they don't have to share a laundry room with the rest of my tenants right. and you know they finally have like their actual home space they have their own garage uh that goes straight to the house so it's well maintenance too right yeah it's not like a, i don't remember it's, it's, much of yard it's a yeah. townhouse, townhouse yeah. in a you know in a townhouse community there's a decent hoa but they take care of a lot of stuff they, they manage the yard honestly it's pretty straightforward simple you know they're just happy to have more space so it's just dead oh man <laughs> Whoops. Well, that's fun. I, don't, I just noticed that. I don't know how long it's been dead for. Oh. Well, shoot, we'll have to finish it up later. Okay, well, I, we can also use the audio. Yeah, yeah we can use the audio from this. Yeah. We'll cut that part up. But, yeah. um, if they can, I'll, I'll enhance the audio. But, um, yeah, so. Yeah, like I think for that that house is the most precision, but you know, like the fact that like you know I built all these prop got all these properties to cash flow um, to get my parents that home was like kind of like the main goal when I started when I came back here in twenty eighteen. Hmm. Um, it's just like, can I? How can I take care of my parents forever in perpetuity? And you know, all my cash flow for me is um, basically my parents' retirement. So that that was the game plan. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Let's talk about kind of making that transition from or or doing W two job while doing real estate. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are interested in real estate and, and might be in a steady W two job. Obviously, it helps to get financing mm -hmm. um, when you have a W two job. How is that transition for you? And kind of like, what are your what are your long term plans or goals with that? Yeah, I mean, so like as as I mentioned, you know, I've been a software engineer the entire time I've been doing this. Uh, I've recently gotten into real estate because um, you can do that remotely, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I came back to Portland to work remotely because I, I worked out of uh, this is before COVID. I worked out with my my company that I had to come home to take care of my parents, and that was true. Um, yeah, but having that W two job, obviously, as a software engineer, decent salary, Bay Area salary. Um, Help me obviously land almost all these properties, you know, having that high income. 
Like honestly, I don't know how I do it without. You know, we mentioned before. Like I, I definitely want to leave my tech job because I'm definitely really invested in real estate. Um, but you know, like one of my fears is how am I going to buy my next property? <laughs> you know, I know I'm going to have to. Like I've been a realtor for, you know, a year, year and a half, and I have the greatest income from it from just starting. Um, and I think I would probably need like two years of tax returns. Yeah, I mean, typically when you're self-employed, uh, you need to show a minimum of, of two years in, in, in order to be qualified for a loan to use that income. Just because self-employed income can be a little bit more volatile. Yeah. I mean, there's certain circumstances where, um, like let's say you were working as a, a therapist, um, W-2, uh, for 10 years, and then you switched over to being 1099 for a different company. Um, and, and then in that case, you could, you know, do one year, but in your case, switching from like a tech job to a realtor, there's not, yeah, it wouldn't, I mean, we could use your schedule E income, you know, your rental income, of course, yeah. but, but your, your real estate income, we won't be able to use from sell, from selling homes until, until you have a two, two years on your taxes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been tough. Like, you know, I wanted to give up my job for a very long time. I've Falling out of love with not not software engineering. I love engineering in general, but maybe my company in in general. And I've been wanting to do it up for a long time, but I was like, "But how am I gonna get the next property?" <laughs> That's literally been my my whole entire mindset. So I hustle. I I wake up in the morning. I take my meetings for my day job as engineer. I run off. I show houses. You know, I I do all the obviously anything involving real estate. Um, in terms of like fixing my properties or dealing with contractors. So my day is packed and I, I know that I'm making a sacrifice uh, now in terms of, you know, like my well-being and all this stuff, but you know, I know I'm building for the future. Um, and you know, like, like that said, things move really quickly when you're hustling, you know, like, like I said, if I gave up my day job to be a full-time real estate agent or a real, a full-time real estate investor, I think I may have run into a lot of problems, may have been able to scale so quickly. So, right, right. you know, we all choose our own sacrifices and um, this is the one I chose for the time being. But theoretically, if at this point, now that you've made the investments that you've made, you could probably go over to being full-time real estate and real estate investor. Yeah, well, I'll say- You might not be able to, you know, be able to acquire as quickly, but you could, you might lower your lifestyle a little bit. Honestly, but if like, you had to get yeah. by with just your investment income and your real estate income, you could make it at this point. Yeah, I, I would say for me, like I am, I am honestly am trying to quit soon after I, if I'm able to refinance out of this property, which is a hard money loan. Mm -hmm. Once I'm on regular loans for everything, this property's done. Hopefully, you know, get this running as a short-term rental. You know, I don't. I, you know, I'm at a place where maybe I don't need the next property as quickly. Like the cash, like you don't need too many properties to basically have money to live off of. And I think I'm at a place where I have, well, I, I have one full fourplex to myself. I partnered on a fourplex and I have two houses I'm partnered on. Um, that probably should be enough for me to live off of. I'm not gonna just hang out and play video games all day. You know, I'll find ways to continue with that income, but I'm okay with not getting the next property at this point. Taking a You don't need to rush and get another one. Right? Yeah, you know, I, you know I, sometimes it, it's like you work hard and then you, you can relax for a little bit. And I'm not gonna relax so hard. I'm gonna try to continue to build my business as uh, you know, an investor focused agent. Um, but you know, in terms of like having that W2 to get the next property, you know, I, I think I'm past that because I, like, I know how hard of a struggle it was to get here. You know, I, I knew I had to hold on to it to get the properties because I was so obsessed with like just building my empire and I'm at a point where it's like, Okay, take a pause, enjoy, live off the cash flow for a little bit, think what your next move is. And I, I definitely think my next move is obviously, you know, building out my business and maybe consultancy in terms of uh, how to invest, how to start investing, how do you keep, continue to, you know, grow your investments. You know, I think there's like a lot of more opportunities when you're out of your W2 and you have the wherewithal to do whatever you want to do. You right, know? right. So like that, that's the plan. I want to have the freedom to figure out what that looks like. and. I wouldn't have had that opportunity without real estate. So if you were, um, you know, if, if one of our listeners or viewers was interested in getting into their first property um, and, you know, they had a little bit of money saved up, what, what, what would your recommendation be to somebody to get that first one to get that, get started? Uh, FHA, multifamily, low down payment, get started, learn the ropes, uh, have, keep your W-2 as you get the property, obviously. 
um, you know, so you can kind of just figure out what it's, what is it like to manage your property? What is it like to, you know, fix up your own properties? Mm -hmm. uh, what is it like to deal with people running off or being rude to you or see if you really like it or not? See if you like the, like the actual, <laughs> see if you like the, the ground. Job. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that is my recommendation for anybody who actually really wants to give it a try. House hack. Like, like I said, you can buy it for low down payment yeah. uh, up to four units if you actually live there. Like, do you need to go buy a nice house right off the bat? Maybe go live in one of your units for a while, for a year, literally a year. So that's a good point. Like you still haven't tried to even buy that home that's like a dream home for you. You've this whole time you've only been focusing on things that are investments. Yeah. Nothing that you've bought has been like sexy. Um, it's all been like, okay, this looks good on paper. I uh, have a good feeling about this, or this is gonna help my sister. This is gonna help my mom. It's not yeah. a crazy nice house, but. Um, you know, no cash flow or get the job done. I'll say, you know, ha having my fourplex is sexier than having like a nice, like, $700,000 house. Because at the end of the day, I know $700,000 house is a liability. It's just something I have to pay for. I, like, if I get that nice house, that just means I have that nice mortgage to pay for. Um, and honestly, I would just rather have things that bring me money as quickly as possible so I can say, hey, I make more cash flow than my day job. Right. I literally don't have to work. And that, I'm now, I have freedom. now I don't have to worry about, do get the, get up early and do those meetings every day. If yeah, I, I, I wake up every day, 7 a.m. to get to these meetings that I don't care for, right. don't want to do. And I mean, if I'm still working for them and they find out about this, <laughs> you know, like, I didn't say that, I love like, you, <laughs> X company, you know, but, uh, um, but you know, like I, I basically wanted freedom, and I, I was willing to work super hard for it. I want freedom for me. I want freedom for my family. Freedom for my my future family, my girlfriend, my you know whatever life we, we have with our family. Um, and yeah, I started that early, and I I still think I'm relatively young, and I like you know like I said, I have a good base. I'm gonna have this capital forever, and it's definitely gonna continue to grow. Uh, I'm gonna have equity as continue gonna continue to grow. So I feel like I will continue to have opportunity. I'm not going to stop hustling. I will just be able to hustle on something that I love instead of hustling for a job that I feel like I'm undervalued. Hustling for someone else, yeah. Hustling for someone else where I can be let go at any time. Yep. I am being told what to do. You know, I really enjoy, like, even though I like, even though I work 10 times harder as, you know, my, as a realtor, as an investor, you know, doing my own rehabs, I love it way more. It's, it's under my control. Yep. And that's my passion, you know, like I'd rather do that than have a, you know, like a cushy six figure job. Right. Yeah. So that's the game plan. Totally. Well, I mean, that, does that, is there any more to the story or does that pretty much wrap something up? <laughs> no, I mean, that, I, I would say the story is always, is always moving. You know, don't be surprised if I have another property next month. You know, it seems to happen pretty Yeah, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> I say take a break, but, you know, like, you know, like I'm engrossing myself in this world of real estate as an agent. Opportunities do come my way. Um, and so we'll see. we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm always in for the next best opportunity. And if I can't afford it, I'll partner, I'll, I'll figure something, some way to get it. It's always about, what is it? Uh, find the deal and find a way to pay for it later. So, <laughs> um, that's kind of my motto and you know, I'm gonna see what happens. So the journey is still going. And for now, like right now, I'm in a really good place and hoping I can close, finish up all these renovations. Like I said, hopefully take a break and take a break, which I'm probably not gonna do. Um, <laughs> Get yourself ready for the next one. Get myself ready for the next one and, you know, build that empire. So build that empire for my family and make sure everybody's happy and comfortable and they don't have to worry about working anymore. So that's the dream. There you go. Yeah. Well, thanks for so much for tuning in to Portland Real Estate Podcast. Um, you know, reach out if you guys have any questions or if, if um, you know, someone that wants to be interviewed. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains Podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.